for sharing about uh, this passage of Scripture and reflecting a bit. Let me take a point of, of privilege and tell you that uh, I've got a new grandson. <laughs> we are, um, Sue and I are in one little corner of heaven. She is, she is up in Atlanta right now with our daughter, but uh, we had a, a new baby born in our family on Friday, and we're so grateful that uh, he and our daughter Sarah are doing well. And uh, I have pictures in my phone, so you can check those out afterwards. But I wanted to let you know that our hearts are gladdened uh, to welcome one new little soul into our family. And it's such a special thing. Patterns of balance are important to our health. Regardless of whether we are conscious of that or not, they contribute to our morbidity and our mortality. They will make us sick or well. They will bring us even to the point of death. Um, We have heard it said we are what we eat and drink, and that may be truer than we uh, want to admit. We also, when we think about our lives Know that we are called to a place of balance, but are confused often as to how to get there. There is no soul that in this place, in any place, can say they have achieved absolute balance. This is something of a goal after which we seek, but never do we find that place where all of life is completely balanced. But to not seek after balance is a very, very dangerous thing. We must care for our bodies and our minds in order that we would be balanced with our health. The loss of balance is easy for us to detect if we simply pause and reflect for a moment about our living and the living of those that are close around us. It may be that you have had to deal with obesity or addiction or any other host of matters of imbalance. But don't you want healing? And don't you want healing for those that you know? It's interesting how we cannot see clearly the imbalance in our own lives. Some of you may remember Karen Carpenter. Does that ring a bell for anybody? When I was in high school, uh, the Carpenters were one of the great singing groups, and uh, it was such a shock. I can remember learning about a disease that I had never heard about before when she died of anorexia because she, like others that suffer from this grave illness, can stand in front of a mirror even though they are emaciated and wasting away. They see themselves as being overweight. Isn't it an interesting disconnect that our minds make? And it is not just in this illness. 
that you and I are not able to see ourselves as clearly as we need to. The patterns that we establish in our life cloak us from being able to admit to ourselves what our problems might be. And only by establishing new patterns can we change the reality of our lives and become the balanced people that God needs us to be. Some of you have discovered that that walking or daily exercise can be a boost for your energy, which is strange for me to say because there is a laxness that settles into life if we let go of exercise that makes us believe when we start to exercise again that the only thing to be gained is tiredness. Have you ever seen that? In yourself to know that when you start exercising that pain and tiredness will come from it. But establishing the routine, is there not somebody here that would profess to you that establishing the routine, the balance of exercise, actually restores energy rather than depriving you of it. We don't see so clearly in ourselves. We do not see what consumes us in our lives. John Wesley was concerned, of course, for the souls of all those that were around him. And he also had great concern for the bodies of those that were around him. In fact, he published any number of pamphlets and on one occasion, a booklet that he entitled Primitive Physic. And in that booklet, you can go online and read it in its entirety. In that booklet, he came up with some fascinating solutions to the maladies that all of us have experienced from one time to the other, insomnia or, or upset stomach, uh, lack of sleep, uh, wakefulness, uh, and he has these prescriptions. Now, he is no physician himself, and he is offering plausible ways to get through these issues Some would read it today and think, well, this is outright quackery, you know, what he is suggesting, rubbing a salve on or or using an electric shock to achieve an end that we know today is not going to, to make that end appear. And yet you can sense in reading through this that what he is concerned most about is the integration of the spirit and the body as a whole. And that for us to live as if Christianity is simply about opening our spiritual heart to God and not our physical being to God, that we have become unbalanced in our thinking about what God wishes for us. There is a burden that comes upon us when we are at the point of imbalance. When we establish 
good balance, whether that be exercise or eating properly or sleeping properly. The thing that is most beautiful is when we find that balance and then think of it not as this taxing responsibility, but something that makes all of life the way that it should be. Uh, We had a visit from Margaret and Caleb and our granddaughter, Ruby, just recently. And while she was here, Caleb, her daddy, and I took her over to the Wildlife Center at Georgia Southern. It was fascinating. We sat through the little demonstration about the the roaches, the the hissing roaches and the snakes and all kind of critters and she didn't want to touch any of them but we sat there and listened and then we went to see all of the the birds that were on display and and uh but the thing that most interested Ruby was the playground that was at the end of the little walk <laughs> through and when we got there no no other children her age were there um, but she immediately, she immediately went to what I call the seesaw and she calls the teeter-totter. And so she sat down on one end and, and Caleb and I looked at each other and we realized that this was going to have to involve us. And so Caleb began to push down on the other end of the teeter-totter and she went up, of course. And then when he released, this was exercise that he had not been doing. And so he turned it over to me. (laughs) And I could only last so long on this. And then all of a sudden something just wonderful happened. Another child about Ruby's age came (laughs) onto the playground and she saw what we were doing and she wanted to get on. And we thought, this is working out great, you know? And so Ruby was so interested in her and she was interested in Ruby and they were able to do this in a, in a way that was just so beautiful because it was play. It was truly play for them. And they were, they were not thinking about this being exercise, but it was exercise, right? I wasn't standing over Ruby's, Ruby saying, okay, one, two, three, push. One, two, three, push. It was play for them. And finding that place of play can be somehow the most redemptive thing for us physically. And some of you know this. You have developed hobbies that involve exercise and movement, and some of you swim, and some of you dance, and some of you uh, work out. Some of you are in yoga classes. Some of you um, go golfing or play tennis. My exercise is fishing. Y'all know that, right? And I know it's limited on how much exercise you get from that. But it does something for my soul and my mind as well. To not choose that, to not choose some way of finding physical balance and spiritual balance is to do an injustice to what God wishes us to be. Have you thought about the community that gathered around Jesus, those that followed him through the streets of Israel, those that gathered there were surely a motley crew. When Jesus looked out at them, he spoke these words, in truth, 
He didn't have to pretend that people were burdened. He could look at them and see that they were burdened. And he said, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You spend time observing people, even if you're not observing yourself. You're looking at other people and assessing who they are and what they're dealing with. Admit it to yourself that when you go to Walmart or go sit in a mall, that you're observing other people, observing people around you that have problems that are worse than your own. And you're thinking, why can't they just get it together, right? There is this judgmental attitude, or maybe it's just me, this looking at others and thinking, don't they realize that they should be busy doing this thing that would make their life better than it is? This is a very dangerous path down which to journey. Jesus was not in the business of seeing people in order to judge them. He was looking into the lives of those that were greatly burdened and wishing compassionately to bring to them some forms of salvation in some way that would bless their lives to free them to a new way of living. I mentioned to you John Wesley a few moments ago, and let me mention again that Wesley had this compassion as a part of who he was. In London, during his day and age, there, were, there was a very divided society. There were those who were well-to-do and those that were very, very poor. Of course, those that were of middle income were of a very small number, and they meeked out a living on the streets. One of the things that would happen in the midst of that society is that there were people that took their solace out by drinking, and it wrecked their lives even more. He states that one pub, particularly that he remembered, had a sign out front that said, drunk for a pence, dead drunk for two. And he would witness people that would spend two pence in order to get the effect that they were after. And he was so saddened by it to see the damage that would be done to the individual and to the family. He saw an opportunity and began to build a community center in London that became known as the Foundry. It was known as the Foundry because it was a munitions center at one time before, owned by the state. It was in great disrepair because on one momentous occasion, the gunpowder ignited and the building exploded. It was, it was a building that was ravaged by that explosion and of no use to the king any longer. And so John Wesley bought it for a pittance. And Methodists in his day put it back together in order that they might reach out and minister to the community 
and care for those that were in need and help them to find balance in their lives. Because as you and I move through life, the thing that we most need to remember is not judgment of others that disconnects us from them, but compassion and engagement with others that will not only draw them into greater balance, but ourselves as well. Physical balance and spiritual balance. The Apostle Paul talked with Timothy about this as he wrote him a letter and shared with him, have nothing to do with profane myths and old wives' tales. Train yourself in godliness. For while physical training is of some value, godliness is valuable in every way. Are you being pulled toward balance today? Do you sense within yourself that there are things that are out of balance? Today is a good day to pray about this. Some of you develop an attitude that you don't need help. And let me share from a pastoral perspective here. That's stupid, okay? You hear me? That is stupid to think that you do not need help. There are persons that I have met that avoid going to the doctor because they don't want to hear what the doctor might say to them. And they think it will only cause greater problems if they find out their true condition. How wrong can you be? There is a balance that we need in life where we need to give permission to someone else to help us get our life in order physically, mentally, spiritually. Some of you have experienced a physical trainer, a coach, a therapist, someone who perhaps has given to you the good fortune of an intervention when you most needed it. None of these experiences are easy. Have you been through rehab after surgery? Have you experienced the pain of trying to get the mobility in a joint that has been replaced or repaired? Do you know what I'm talking about? This is not easy work. Left to ourselves, we will not do it. And so it is very important to seek someone whom you trust who can help you get your life in good order. John Wesley tells the story of his brother Charles. Charles and he had a sort of a, a, an interesting relationship. They didn't see eye to eye all of the time. It was, it was probably mixed with some sibling rivalry that was going on between the two of them. But on one occasion, John wrote about his brother and explained that his brother had gotten himself into a situation. Charles, who was like almost every other Englander, loved 
tea. And yet he loved the Lord. And he wanted to give himself to fasting from tea that he knew was a problem, which was a problem in his life because he loved it so much and drank so much of it. But as John observed, that when he gave up tea, that he became so sick in his head, not mentally ill, but so, so hurting in his head that he, as John described it, was not able to sit his horse or sit on his horse, as we would say. He was completely incapacitated. Now, I don't have a problem with tea, but let me tell you about how I love coffee. (laughs) If it gets to be 10 or 11 o'clock, I know that I haven't had my coffee. How are you with this? Anybody else deal with this? What is it that we associate with in our lives that may be an imbalance that is doing injury rather than good? At conference, our annual conference, just a few weeks ago, our bishop stood before those that were to be ordained and asked them a set of 19 questions that are called the historic questions. John Wesley put these together years ago himself. And every year when Methodist ordinance come before the conference to be ordained, they must be asked these questions uh, before they can come up on the stage and receive the laying on of hands and the ordination for their rights to become pastors within the denomination. These are interesting questions and some that you might expect. Number one is, have you faith in Christ? Number two is a very Methodist question. Are you going on to perfection? Number three, do you expect to be made perfect in love in this life? John Wesley believed that that was possible to be made perfect in love. That doesn't mean that you never made a mistake, but that in your heart, you were always acting in love toward those that were around you. Are you earnestly striving after it? Are you resolved to devote yourself wholly to God and his work? Do you know the general rules of our church and will you keep them? Have you studied the doctrines of the United Methodist Church? And after full examination, do you believe that our doctrines are in harmony with the Holy Scripture? Will you preach and maintain them? And so this list of questions, and we come to question number 16. Interesting question. Will you recommend fasting or abstinence both by precept and example? Now, you may not have thought about this before, that your pastors have taken an oath, an oath, to be a people that are fasting on a regular basis. We have taken an oath to do that. And not only have we taken an oath to fast, we have also taken an oath to get you to fast. Have you ever thought about that? 
And you may be saying to yourself, I don't fast. And you're not going to get me to fast. (laughs) And so we get back to the question of who is your coach? Who has permission to tell you what to eat and when to eat? If it's not me, could it be someone else? I'm okay with that. You and I need a coach in order that we be balanced and healthy in our lives. This sermon is a call for balance. And I ask you very honestly today, looking at yourself and thinking about who you are, not thinking about someone else right now, but looking at your own life, are you balanced in the way that God wants you to be? Are you living a healthy life that will make you of greatest use in reaching out to help others achieve balance themselves. Can you do that kind of work with the compassion of Jesus Christ himself because you yourself are balanced in a way that is at least similar to the way that Jesus lived a balanced life. As we come to the close of worship, I want to open this altar for a time of healing grace. For those that would like to come and to kneel here, this altar is open to you in the singing of the final hymn. You may say to yourself, I think I'll remain where I am. That's fine. You can pray as you're seated in the pew. But I also want you to know that sometimes it is good just simply to get up and to move forward in order to speak to God sincerely in your heart. And I want you to know that this altar is open for those who might need healing in their own lives or who wish to lift up someone in your family or a person that you know that particularly needs healing today.